Um, okay. All right, so we're going to just jump into our, our series. We started a new series last week. We're calling it uh, Life in Six Words. And the, the point of this series is uh, we're looking to get equipped in the way, um, better equipped to share our faith, to share the gospel journey. Um, and, and we're using this model. It's called, I called it it's just the Life in Six Words model. Um, we talked last week about how there, there's nothing super special or magical about this particular way of expressing the gospel. There's lots of different kind of methods and, and modes and, and um, helpful tools to help us remember and kind of construct the, construct the narrative. Um, this is just one that I found particularly helpful that, that was simple enough. Uh, actually, I, I learned of it as when, I was, uh, when I was youth pastor. Um, it was designed for teenagers. Um, which I am a big fan of things that are designed for teenagers because, um, uh, well, let's be honest, I think we overestimate how much we develop after we're, we're teenagers as, <laughs> as adults. Um, and, and so I, I, I like the, the focus, the simplicity of it, um, and the flexibility it gives us to, to impart our own, uh, kind of our own journey in, in, in this story. Um, we're just going to go over it real quick. We're going to do this every week at the beginning just to help get it kind of grained into our, our minds. And then, and then we're going to jump into the, to, to the, the words we're going to deal, deal with today. So uh, it, each word, it's God, our sins, paying everyone life. Um, you'll see it spells, it's kind of an acronym, it spells gospel. It's another way to kind of help remember it. Last week we talked about the first word and each word has a sentence that, that kind of is the core of that truth. We talked about how God created us to be with him. And uh, we won't have time to go back into that. But if you missed that message, it's online. You can check that out on the website. Um, next is the O-R is the word. Our sins separate us from God. Um, sins cannot be removed by good deeds is the next word. And then paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. And everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And the final word is life. And that, that signifies or starts the sense, life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. We're going to take these kind of slow week by week. Today we're actually, it's the only week we're going to try and tackle two. Um, so we're going to be looking at those next, those uh, number two and the, the R and sin. So our sins separate us from God and sins cannot be removed by good deeds are the are words we're going to go through today. They're very tightly connected and um, to be quite frank, uh, I, I, I had to get this series in in five weeks and there were six words. So there had to be a week we, needed to, we, we dealt with two and so this seemed to be the right week to do that. So, so we're going to just jump in and kind of start working through these um, if you were here last week, uh, you, you received a journal. Um, part of this, the idea behind this is that each week I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of um, reflect on what we're, what we're learning and, and, and create for yourself kind of your own, um, put this, this idea, these concepts in your own word to help us um, kind of develop our own language, develop our own presentation and how we would share so we can be better equipped when the opportunity presents itself. And I say when because I, I, I genuinely believe every follower of Jesus at some point in their life will have the opportunity um, 
to share the gospel with somebody. It doesn't mean everybody is called to be, you know, Billy Graham or, or um, you know, uh, stand on giant stages. But, but I believe every faithful follower of Jesus will have an opportunity at some point to, to tell the, the, the greatest story that's ever been told, to, to share the hope that lies within. And the, the question comes down to will we, are we, um, are we going to take Paul's advice and be prepared, be ready for that opportunity? Um, are we going to have eyes to recognize it? And then will we have done our, our due diligence to have something to say in that moment? So that's kind of the heart behind this series. Let's pray, and then we're just going to jump into it. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for, for, for being in our midst. Lord, we pray that you were honored, and um, you, your, your heart was pleased in our worship and our singing this morning as you praised your name. God, would you, would you speak to us um, as we read your word this morning, as we, we, we take another step in looking at this this journey, this amazing gospel, this great news that you, um, you lived out, that you, you, you gave to us. Would you help us to um, clarify exactly what that means in our own hearts and minds? Would you, um, would you build our, our, our confidence? Would you help shape um, and help us see uh, where, our, where our story connects with your greater story? So that we can uh, be better prepared to, to, to share that with others and be more secure even in our own understanding and our own um, joy in our salvation. Amen. Amen. Um, if you didn't get a journal, if you weren't here last week or you forgot one, we will be doing some writing. Um, so if you raise your hand, we have extras. We have plenty of extras. If you raise your hand, one of the, one of the uh, ushers will be able to get you one. Also pens. We have pens. Um, feel free. Again, as I mentioned last week, if, you, if you're a digital person and you'd rather do the digital thing, that's totally cool. Um, I, I just wanted to give us all an opportunity to have something to write for that, for that part of it. All right. Our sins separate us from God. So jumping in, this is the second word. Um, sentence is pretty straightforward. Um, this is, a, this is a truth that as, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've, if you've you know, been around church, if you're a, a, a church person, this is not a foreign concept to you. Um, but this is something that I feel like in the last uh, number of decades, we have, as a church, um, kind of shied away from this part of the gospel. We've kind of, in, in some instances, we've even divorced it from the gospel. We, we, we maybe not have gone outright and said it's not true, but we, we certainly have, have um, uh, how, how do we say, it? done a, um, maybe a, 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 a PR job on it. <laughs> we, we've re, we tried to rebrand it, um, but, but we can't. It is an essential part of, it is the foundation. It is the, the you know, uh, uh, you go to the movies, uh, Anybody, like, you ever, like, jumped in, tried to jump in on a movie, like, a third of the way in, you know, and it's just confusing, and, and you're probably not really going to like it, and, and you're not really going to fully understand it, and it's not going to have much of an impact on you. Why? Because it's the beginning of the story that gives the background. 
that sets the tension, that gives you the understanding for all the conflict and all of the triumph that's going to happen. If you miss the first part, it doesn't make any sense. And, and these, these two sentences we're going to be looking at today are exactly that. They're the, they're the context, in, they're the context, the background, the, the backdrop of the greatest story ever told. And so we're just going to start back at the, at the, orig- at the beginning of where, where this all started. Um, Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say that you must not eat of the fruit or of any trees in, in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open and as soon as you eat it, you will be like God. Knowing both good and evil. The woman, the woman was convinced and she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the, about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied. I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God said. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I, fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. You know the rest of the story. We've been in a mess, a heap of mess ever since. This was the the birth of this thing called sin. What is sin? Sin is simply, 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 man, I can't talk this morning, uh, missing the mark. It's a, a term that's originally, it's actually an, archer, an archery term. It's the distance between the, the center of the bullseye and where, you, where your, your arrow lands. Um, the mark is that we are shooting for, that we were created to be, is a state of being known as complete righteousness. Without shame, without blemish. In complete harmony and connection to, to our Creator. And since, since they ate the fruit, that, that has, has completely and utterly been, been uh, de- destroyed. We see the standard of action uh, in, if we fast forward, where, where God gives us the law, right? In the, in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments. All day, every day, he gives us these, these ten rules that we, ha- we have to, uh, uh, if, if we were to be righteous, we would have to follow utterly and perfectly. But it gets worse. <laughs> that's, that's, that was, the, that was the, uh, an Old Testament construct, but then Jesus comes on the scene and, and he shows us how far that line, what complete uh, righteousness really looks like. It's not just about, see, the Ten Commandments are about what you, what you do, 
right? It's about having clean hands. But Jesus comes on the scene and he teaches us that, that that's not even good enough. That, that It's not that you can't just have clean hands. If you really want to be righteous, you also have to have a clean heart. It's not just about adultery, it's also about lust. It's not just about love for your friends, but loving your enemies as well. It's, it's not just doing the right thing, but it's thinking and feeling the right thing too. Complete righteousness, the, 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 uh, the concept, the standard that, that we, are, we are called to and that, that is required of us to, to be that it is utterly rigid. It's binary. It's yes or no. There is no, there is no gray area. Your intentions don't matter. There is no, you did the wrong thing for the right reason. That sentence is, is utter hogwash when it comes to the idea and the, the reality of righteousness. Even, even your ignorance is not an acceptable excuse. There are no excuses. There are no exceptions. You are either completely righteous or you are not. And the problem is, we are not. Sin is in our, 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 our hands. And even more than in our hands, it's in our bones. It's, it's since that first bite of the apple, it is imprinted on our, our DNA. See, most people won't, won't claim perfection. We know that there's a problem. I don't think, there's very few people that did try to deny that in the abstract. And, and it's a problem that every one of us is trying to solve. Whether you, you have faith in God or not, whether you purport to, to believe in, in Jesus or, 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 or Buddha or that there is no God or science, whatever, whatever your construct is, we all agree that there's a problem with humanity and we're trying to figure out what's the solution. And outside the gospel, we are, we are limited to a handful of bad choices for a solution. Which brings us to our, our next truth. See, sins cannot be removed by good deeds. And this is the, this is the part of the movie where all, all hope seems lost. This is the, 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 our sins separate us from God, whether, whether people may argue about whether there is a God um, that, that we are separated, but we don't, we all pretty much agree about the, the maybe we don't call it sin, but, but that there's a problem, right? Um, but sins cannot be removed by good deeds. And we, we get to this part in the movie where this is the part where, where we realize there's no, there is, there seems to be no hope. Right. This is this is the part of the story where the, the you know the whatever the time machine gets broken and you're stuck in the past. This is the part where the the hero seems to have died. This is the this is the part where where the the, the writer of the story ha has eliminated all the, the the possible options for a good outcome because our sins cannot be removed by good deeds. I, Isaiah, the prophet, says it this way in chapter sixty four of his book he says you welcome those who gladly do good who follow godly ways but you have been angry with us for we are not godly we are constant sinners how can a people like us be saved we are all infected and impure with sin 
When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. That term, filthy rags, is much grosser than, than it reads. If you, if you know that, that term is actually, uh, in, in the translation, let, let, let's put it this way. If the rag came in a box, the box would be labeled Tampax. You follow me? That's the imagery the author is using to talk about our best efforts at righteousness. And there's nothing we can do to, 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 to remove our good deeds, don't remove our bad ones. But we still have to have a response. We still know in our bones, we still know at our core that there's a problem. And so man's response to sin um, really hasn't changed since the garden. We, we, we try and do it on our own. We try and fix the problem with our own half-cocked solutions. We attempt to, to tip the scales in a number of different ways, but they're all at their core the same thing. We're trying, to, we're trying to remove what we've done by something else that we do, right? And, and it doesn't work. But, but we, give it, we give it the college try. We, sometimes we, we create a good PR department, public relations, like a, like a company who spends a million dollars doing some charity and then $30 million telling everybody how great they are at spending the million dollars, right? When I do something good and I, I find a way to slip it into every conversation I have that week, it's a poor excuse for an attempt Listen, I'm not saying we need to deny when we do something good. I'm not saying we need to, we need to, to, to you know, be deceitful about it. I'm just saying that, that it doesn't have any impact on our eternal standing. Who else knows about it? When you did it, God was there. He saw it, Right? Anything, af anything after that has no, anybody else who finds out has no eternal value whatsoever. So we try and create a, a good PR department. Or we, we, we cast the blame on somebody else. We, we, we blame others. We blame circumstances. We, we, we blame God. You know, it, it's, not, it's not my fault. You made me mad. It's not my fault. My, my circumstances. I had no, I had no choice. My, my boss did this or he wouldn't give me that raise. And so I had to do this to make sure I met my number or got my bonus. It's not my fault. God gave me a life that is not fair. And so that justifies me to treat people the way I want and, and do the way I want and skirt rules the way I want because it, it's, just, it's just not fair. And so I, it's on me to, to make things fair. We shift the blame. Or we, we, we try and deny its existence. Um, there, there's a, there's a kind of a, a philosophical thought or, or or, or slogan that's out there that says that, that which is necessary is legal. 
right? So, so we, we sometimes we, we paint this, we create this, this rationale about a behavior or an activity that, that I had to do it. And because I had to do it, because it was necessary, I, it's okay that I did it. You know, um, there, there's a, you guys may have heard of Nietzsche, Nietzsche, I don't know how to say his name, it's a philosopher, um, it's one of those real smart idiots. Um, It, it, he believed, and he and this. It sounds silly, but it's he's one of those guys. Many of us don't really can't say what he did or who he was or any of that stuff. But we all are affected by some of the thoughts that he propagated because it's worked its way into our into our, our, our culture. And, and and one of his one of his kind of core ideas or, or, or dominating ideas was that that evil is just a construct invented by the weak. There's, not, there's no real such thing as sin. It's just this thing we've invented to, to, to try and control other people. It's not really, there's no objective truth. There's no, there is no uh, universal standard by which we can measure this thing. We deny its existence, or we, 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 and we do, we do that by shaping and denying that, that this thing is sin. It's convenient how our, we, you know, in the abstract, most of us believe in evil. We believe in wrong. We believe in sin, um, whether we use those terms or not. But conveniently, our behavior never seems to fit whatever definitions we create for those behaviors or those thoughts or those attitudes. We deny its existence. Or we, uh, we sur- survive the bear in the woods technique is what I call this one. You know, the, the joke about being trapped in the woods with a bear. You don't have to be faster than the bear, just faster than the guy next to you. We compare ourselves to others, right? Uh, my, my sin's not as bad as your sin, so I'm okay. We... we we make sure that the, the examples we use, the standards we, we set for ourselves are always people that, that some just coincidentally happen to be lower on the totem pole, that, that, that we feel better compared, well, at least I'm not this guy, at least I'm not doing this behavior, at least I'm not struggling with that wrong thing, at least I don't have this in my background or on my resume. problem is the standard is the same for all of us and the standard is none of us the standard is the holy creator of the universe it doesn't it doesn't change and when we when we compare ourselves to other people we're just deluding ourselves and then the final example i had was was the <laughs> just called it the tattletale it's the to focus on pointing out everyone else's shortcomings. It provides comfort for our pride and distraction for our fear. But it does nothing to deal with our sin. And sadly, this is, we, we, I see this one a lot in the church. Where we love to, we, we have this tendency to, to, to just get hyper-focused on, 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 you know, Everyone else's sin, everyone, every other church's theology, every other uh, person's shortcomings. 
We can rattle those off and we have all the right answers, the, what they should do differently and, and how they should be behaving and how they should think and what, they should be, what books they should be reading. We spend all our time, our, fo- our giant focus is on that. Meanwhile, meanwhile we, we lack the capacity to just enjoy God's presence. We, we lack the humility to understand that, that God is and be able to wonder at how immense God is and how un- undescribable he is and how, how big he is. There's lots of different ways we can we can try and, and fix the problem of, of sin ourselves, but none of these strategies work. Psalms 14, David says, uh, Only fools say in their heart there is no God. There is, they are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. David includes himself in that. David is, you know, most famous, his most famous nickname, I think, is, is a man after God's own heart. And he, he wouldn't even put himself in, in, in a different category. And it's only on, this is such a feel-good message, I know, guys, sorry. (laughs) But it's only on this backdrop of this truth that the gospel shines bright. See, if if we don't wrestle, if we don't stare sin in the face, if we don't, if if you uh, don't recognize that you're about to die when someone saves your life, you don't have any appreciation for it. You can't get saved if you don't recognize you need saving. <laughs> if you have been saved, it's vital that we, we never get over the fact that we are being saved. A, a day doesn't go by that God's grace and mercy isn't covering your life. There's, it's, it's not a one-time thing that I was, I was dead, I was bad, God saved me, and now today, I, you know, I got it from here. Every day, God's active grace, every day, God's active mercy wakes you up, walks you through your day, covers your mistakes, forgives you of, the, of your, your blemishes and your shortcomings every single day. And we have to fight to never forget that, to never get used to, to, to the grace that God, God gives us. And that, that can be, and I'll admit, it, that, that can be in itself a task. That is in itself a task to, to, to never, to put the things and the, the constructs in our life to make sure that we never forget that we're always uh, on the forefront of our mind, at the top of the surface, is this understanding that, that every good thing in my life, uh, this, this grace that I have, this freedom that I experience, is because God gave me grace today. Because God is saving me today. See, if we don't, we become, we become like uh, trust fund babies. Right? Rich, 
spoiled, entitled. We see everything through this lens. We, we look down on people who, who, who we think we're better than, and we have no concept because we, we, don't know, we don't even know what it means to earn anything because it was all just giving to us, and yet we turn around and we judge those who are no different than us other than they, they haven't received the same gift that you have. Next week, we're going to go into the depths of, of, of how Jesus offers us that salvation. But, but I, couldn't, I couldn't leave us in this moment today. But I do want to do a lot. So, Mr. Thoreau, if you want to come up, we're going to take a few time and a little time and, and reflect on these truths. And then after, we're going to do the lab. We're going to do some reflecting time and write in your journals and kind of work through some of this stuff with some questions I have. Um, but then after that, we're going to take communion together this morning. Because it just, God's grace is just too good. I just, you just, we can't, we can't walk out here without remembering it. <laughs> But first, let's 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 do our let's do our homework. All right, uh, questions. So here, here's some questions. Uh, we'll put them up there. Uh, like I said, we went through two questions or two statements today. Uh, our sins separate us from God. So in, in your journals or your your phone or however however you're tracking this stuff, first write the sentence. So you know our sins separate us from God, and then explain in your own words what what sin is. What is sin? And then the second question is for that one is why, why does it separate us from God? In your words, in your experience, when you see the world, and then our, our second word, it, you know, sins cannot be removed by good deeds. So how would you explain this sentence? To somebody that sins cannot be removed by good deeds. How, how, and this one's hard because, and, and we, I think we, we struggle with this idea a lot because we, most of us don't want to, we don't want to come off judgmental. We don't, we don't want people to feel attacked. And so it, it, as you answer this question, think about that. You know, part of the way of getting over that fear, that hesitation is to have an idea of how to approach this before you get into the conversation. How would you explain it? How would you explain this truth um, as best you understand it in a way that you are comfortable or you, you feel as you're, you're attempting to approach it humbly and, and um, coming alongside versus attacking somebody? Last week, we, we, I asked you guys, if you, if you were here, I should have mentioned this at the beginning, um, to write a, a person's name at the top of your journal. Uh, someone you know that needs to know, needs to meet Jesus, or a couple of people. It could be your kids, it could be a friend, a coworker. Um, think of them as you answer these questions. There's something specific. Ask, you know, pray, ask the Lord to give you some specific thoughts that that would maybe apply to that person.
So I'm going to give you a few minutes to just write uh, on those, those topics, to, to put your thoughts down. Again, doesn't, we're not looking for a finished composition piece. This can be an outline. This can be thought, just random thoughts that come to you. If you are a writer, feel free to, to write it out as, as in full sentences. Um, and then the final question is a, a reflection question that's really designed more for where we're heading, which is communion. And it's simply this. What is, what is your go-to way to hide your sin? I think if we're honest, we probably all do all of them at some point. But usually we have one, you know, one way that, that we, it's our reflex. Our go-to move. So I'm going to give you seven-ish minutes. Just think, pray, meditate on those questions and and uh, do some journaling, do some writing, do some praying.
you can keep uh, keep writing if you want. Um, but we're going to take a, f- a few more minutes. And um, but we do want to shift. I guess we're starting next week's message today <laughs> with this because we're shifting into into to, to the, the actual solution. We spent a lot today talking about the problem and our lack of ability to to accurately address it. Thank God he did. Jesus came to offer the solution that we couldn't, we couldn't never hope to, to attain for ourselves. He, he, he died, he come, came uh, as a man, he, he, he sacrifices himself. And that's what the, the communion table is all about. It's about remembering that Jesus came to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And that the only way that we can receive that is simply through faith by grace. That we, there, there is nothing that we could do to earn what Jesus did. There's nothing that we could do to, to make ourselves worthy to receive such a gift. There's nothing that we could, we could do moving forward that, that would, in our own strength, allow us to walk in that gift. Is solely by, by his grace, solely by the fact that, that he came and he, he offers his body to be broken for us. He, he shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. Like I said, it, as we spent this time thinking about how, how, how dark the night was, uh, it, it just felt like we needed to what better opportunity to remember how bright the day is because of what Jesus did so I want to end our time today with giving you an opportunity to receive communion Um, we we have tables up here feel free to continue to to write or journal Um, but whenever you're ready just uh, you can just come up you can come up as as a couple or a family or individual however you uh, you choose to receive it you can take it back to your seat and take it yourself or just take it when you get up, when you come up here. But when you come, just come with a grateful heart. Say, God, thank you for, for your amazing sacrifice. Thank you that, that I acknowledge and, and the communion table is about that transaction. It's about admitting that, that I, have, I have debts I can't pay and, and you chose to pay it. And I receive your, your payment for, for my sin. The, the, the communion table is, is a table for believers. If you're a believer today, if you've committed to follow Jesus, the ta- this, you, you're welcome. If, if you're still not, if you're not sure if you're here today and you're still seeking and searching, that's totally cool. Um, I would just, I would say just keep seeking and searching. Um, but, but the table is not, is not an experiment. <laughs> But if you're ready to make that commitment today, if, if you've never taken communion, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, but, but that's something that's in your heart to do, um, let's do it, man. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be down here. We can, we can talk. We can pray. <laughs> and uh, we be happy to serve you your first communion. So I'll pray, and then, like I said, finish your, your journaling, and uh, you can come up and receive communion as 
as you feel led. So Father, we thank you for, for the reminder this morning of your great grace. God, we thank you for the reminder of our own sin. so amazing that sometimes we it, the thought that we could even forget our own our own shortcomings our own sin is is amazing that speaks to just the, the power and the mercy and how well you do your work remind us today lord as we come to your table of just how how big a sacrifice you made and receive our gratitude as we, we come and, and receive your mercy receive your grace as we, we take the cup and the bread Amen Tables are open you can feel free to, to come up when you want and I'll, I'll come up in a few moments and close service with a final word
you mind just standing with me as we close with a, just a kind of corporate word of prayer? Father, we thank you. Just take a moment and thank the Lord. God, we thank you for your, your grace, your mercy, your generosity. Thank you for community. We thank you for your love. Let your table this morning be another, uh, another reminder of, of that as we go through our day and our week. God, as we, we over these next couple of weeks, continue to, to, to remember and recite and analyze your, your, your story. God, your gospel, your good news, would you use it to, to fan into to our hearts and our minds the, the power of, of that truth. God, give us the courage to, to speak it when we see opportunity, when we feel you lead. Pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next week.